from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special bonus episode of Aftershock. I'm your host, Noel Brown. I'm also an executive producer here at iHeartRadio and the co-host of Ridiculous History and Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Today, I'm incredibly grateful to be joined by some of the talent, creators, and producers behind Aftershock. Today, I'm joined with Tati Gabrielle, who played Michaela on the show. You'll also know Tati from shows like The 100, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and who you'll soon be seeing in an incredible adaptation of the Smash video game franchise Uncharted. And she's also a lovely human being and a fantastic actor. Thank you so much, Tati, for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. 
We're also joined by Jeff Schmidt, who was described to me off the air as essentially the Wizard of Oz behind Aftershock. Jeff did all of the sound design and created a sense of scale and atmosphere that really brought the show to the next level. He's also known for his incredible audio production on podcasts like Dr. Death and Dirty John. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us today, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We're also joined with Patrick Carmen, one of the show's producers and creators, and the third partner in Nomadic Engine, along with Sarah Wayne Callies and Ben Haber, who are our other two panelists. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Anything that gets me fake out of the house, I'm into. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> we'll get to that, too. And, of course, we've got Ben Haber, uh, who has become a close personal friend of mine um, through working on this project. He is a feature film, television, and now podcast producer who began his career working on the incredible Beatles musical Across the Universe and also is responsible for production on the Smurfs movies uh, trilogy. Ben, thank you for joining us, my friend. Awesome to be here, Noel. Thank you. And finally, we're joined with both the star and creative force behind Aftershock, Sarah Wayne Callies, who you'll know from her roles on TV shows such as Prison Break. Uh, she played Lori Grimes on AMC's The Walking Dead and has also starred as Katie Bowman on USA's Colony. Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for being our host, Noel. It's great of to talk course. to you. Oh, always a pleasure. Um, I will start right in with a question for Taddy. You know, the podcasts uh, have become obviously a huge force in creative media and uh, many, you know, intellectual properties are kind of tested and tried out in the podcast space. For you, were you familiar with podcasting, you know, and this kind of this kind of version of podcasting in terms of immersive storytelling? Like, was this something that was on your radar? Um, and if so, what made you kind of want to take a, you know, take a spin in this world? Um, prior, no, prior to this, I had not, um, I was not familiar with these sort of podcasts. Um, and it, at, since being a part of this, I have now listened to so many scripted podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just thought the idea of you being able to create, like to, to use your imagination to create the world was just really cool. Um, and it's something that, I mean, I guess I do a lot anyway. Um, so I, yeah, just, just wanted to see what, what that was like. And I thought it was a fun acting challenge as well um, to be able to not have the elements, but still give the same level of um, conviction. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, I understand completely. I mean, and, and Sarah, I'll, I'll follow this up with you um, for preparing for a role like this that relies so much on the imagination, an audio only role. Um, how does that preparation compare for you uh, to preparing for you know a television series or a film or even stage work? It's obviously something that you know you can't really use your gestures or your facial features in the same way. It really requires you painting that picture with just your voice and your emotions. Is there any? tricks or, or secrets that you can add uh, that you can share with us that, that on how you prepare for this kind of role? I mean, I think I'm still learning. I will say in the writing process of it all, I remember writing something about um, Karen blushes mm -hmm. and Jeff read the script and he was like, you got any thoughts on that one? <laughs> I, was like, I mean, I bet Joy will put it into her voice and she kind of did. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, it's an interesting challenge, obviously. Sure. Um, I think in some ways, actually, the weirdest part of, of my preparation was I have never played a role I've written. 
for mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And so the the strangest part of it to me was this sort of um, imposed schizophrenia of when I'm writing, the only thing I want to think about is what does the story need and what's the best way to convey in an audio world what needs to be conveyed. And then when I'm acting, if I've got problems with the idiot who wrote it, I can take those up with her later. (laughs) But, you know, you can't, don't change it. Don't think you can make it better or have a better idea. Just play the script when you're in the booth and act like the writer is somebody else. (laughs) That was... No, that's that's fascinating. And, and, and Patrick and and Sarah, you you developed this together from an idea that I think Patrick you came up with uh, initially. The idea of this you know massive earthquake that hits Los Angeles that causes a uh, mysterious island to kind of rise up out of the ocean. Can you talk a little bit about where both of you, uh, just maybe between the two of you, where this idea came from and how you took it and kind of ran with it and developed it beyond just that initial kind of seed of an idea. Sarah. Pat. <laughs> Sarah. No, this started with you. Go, go. I'm, I'm really curious about I where the very Pat first bit of this came from, because it came from you. Oh, this will be good. Um, well, look, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a person who writes, I write a lot of books, um, and a lot of what happens when I write books is I, I tend to come up with the characters and then also the, the, the place or the situation that happens. And so, especially when you're writing for a younger audience, it needs to be something that this, the location or the defining event needs to be something kind of big to get kids' attention. And so this didn't start out as an idea for kids, but it's the same idea where it's like, well, what's a really uh, a big event in something that happens after that that can drive a story in a really unique way? And so that's really my, my biggest contribution to this whole thing really is just that big idea that there's this massive earthquake um, and that after that happens, there's a new piece of land that mysteriously comes out and, and just arrives in the ocean. And for me, that I, I, I've always loved the idea of manifest destiny, the idea of like, you know, as in, in the country of the United States, people have kept on going west and going west and going west, um, you know, always trying to find someplace new and, and, and break new ground. And then we ran out of places to go. And uh, I live out in the West in Washington State. I spend a lot of time in Montana, places that are very, and these places are still very independent places. Their their personality types tend to be out in this end of the country that are like um, the type of character that would go to a place like this. And so that was just kind of the, the, the spark that got everything going. And then really uh, what's been great about working with Sarah is she has a very, a strong point of view and a very, she really came to it with her own ideas about where the story would go. And actually that made my job a lot easier because I could just follow her lead. So she really took the, the, the idea that we had and turned it into something much bigger. Pat's selling him short. He's also a story ninja. Every time I'd write myself (laughs) into a corner, I'd be like, Hey Pat, I'm stuck. I can't like, uh, I've, I've, I'm at a wall. And he's like, no, you're not. This is how you go over the wall or around the wall. And he'd have like 15 ideas for, um, I mean, Pat's brain is a giant and extreme uh, place. It's really sort of wonderful to to have that partnership. Well, it's it's really nice to say, Sarah. I think I, that's a very nice to say. I think we make a really good writing team because, um, again, C- Sarah has a very particular point of view and you really need that when you're doing something like this. I mean, especially in a narrative podcast where it's really easy to lose people. I mean, I, I'm personally, I have a hard time listening to a, an entire like 
10 hour audio book because I just, somewhere along the way I get lost. Um, mm. And with this, because it's so immersive with the work that, that Jeff did, but also it's got a really strong point of view. So once you're in, it, it's, it's, it's easy to stay with it because of that. I think that was really important. Yeah. So I just, I just kind of help, I just kind of help push the rock up the hill a little bit. And uh, that's about it. Well, first of all, I completely agree that no. it is often easy to drift, you know, when you're listening to an audiobook because you can always like, oh, I sometimes I'm listening to one before bed and I fall asleep or I'm doing something else. And then I have to back it up 30 seconds or realize I've like slept through a whole chapter and have to, you know, backtrack. And I continue myself on a loop of that for days sometimes. <laughs> but this show from the moment one always sucked me in. And it has it's a credit to the acting. It's a credit to the writing. But uh, it's also, again, it is an audio medium, a credit to Jeff Schmidt's incredible sound design. Jeff, how, how did you approach kind of creating this world where, you know, they say in filmmaking in general, like show, don't tell, but you can't show <laughs> when you're doing audio only. So you have to kind of really resort to some very creative tricks, which I think you do beautifully. Can you kind of talk about how you kind of envisioned this whole world and, and, you know, took the scripts and turned it into this world that you really can embody, you know, with only your imagination and your ears. Uh, yeah. And it would have been a lot harder had the material not been as good. <laughs> and I think that's really the truth is I can add sounds to stuff and it just sounds tacked on. If the story, if the writing, if the performances don't have room, don't anticipate, don't invite the, the stage space uh the screen time with it and with this team that is exactly what was left for me i looked at the script and i kind of already started having ideas about what it could sound like and then the first thing we worked on was a pilot which was basically the first episode and i kind of just used that as a like i'm going to plant my flag and just really go for broke on this and just see they can always tell me to do less but they're you know i'd rather have that than have them say we wish you could have done a little bit more on this uh, which ironically was actually some of the feedback I started getting it was like, can we make the earthquake even bigger? <laughs> can we make right. this house collapse last longer? You know, it's like, oh my God, I found my peeps, right? Like these are <laughs> encouraging, you know, to, to push me toward kind of where I was hoping to go rather than trying to pull me back into some little, you know, box of, uh, you know, uh, constraint. So I, I think in that way, it was helpful uh, to have such an uh, open team to, to kind of embrace this and, and encourage me to kind of push forward with it. Well, and Jeff, if I if I may also, I mentioned the idea of, you know, employing some interesting tricks to, to keep people invested and to kind of create that cinematic feel to something that, you know, completely lacks a visual component. Um, you gave me a really amazing quote for an article that we were working on for the show or that we were, you know, getting pitched on. Um, and you mentioned the idea of kind of like creating the sense of depth of field, you know, the way a camera like in rack focus and have certain elements that are soft in the background and then certain ones that are sharp and it kind of takes the eye where the director, the, the creators want it to go. And you sort of did an audio version of that. And it was fascinating to me. I'd, I'd love for you to just speak to that a little bit if you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, like this is something that I wish I could do all the time, but I read that on the page, I heard that in the performances when I got the dialogue back, you know, I got a dialogue assembly of these scenes and I noticed I'm following, you know, Wayne and Cassie in this moment. And it just, it just kind of led me to, this is how this should, this would, how this would look. How can I make it sound like I think it would look? Mm. And so it kind of made me think about this less in terms of like sound for picture, which is 
for lack of a better word, it's a subordinate kind of medium, right? It serves mm -hmm. the picture. Whereas in this space, it kind of is the picture. So it really needs to mm -hmm. get up in front a bit. And that's where I think, um, you know, again, kicking it back to the team, offering, being able to to say, yeah, we, we want it up here with us. We want it with the characters. We don't want the characters way up here and the sound way back here, because that can easily happen. Um, so so just thinking about it more cinema, cinematographically, to use a, to coin a phrase, to kind of steal from camera techniques. And the other thing that was in the writing, and I, and, and I will just credit the team again, was that there was distance in this writing. Not every character was like right in your ear. There was characters that were far away. There was happenings that were really far away. There was things that were happening far away that were moving closer. Uh, you know, the scene with Tati, like when she's first introduced, she's like, do you hear that? And it's like really far away. Like, you know, help me down here. Right. It's like, this creates an amazing sense of depth and being able to, to have the team trust that sound is going to be able to pull it off. And then me actually, hopefully trying to actually pull that off. I think that creates an amazing sense of like, distance and depth versus everything being right in your ears. So I think that helps mm -hmm. too. Um, that I wouldn't have been able to do had those scenes not been written in that way. Well, you know, I mean, I got to say too, you're credited as a sound engineer, but you're also the production designer and the cinematographer mm -hmm. and the focus puller. You know, I mean, there's, I didn't quite realize how much of this creative process would be laid in your lap. Um, and the cool thing for me was that after we got the first cut of the pilot back, it was a little bit like the writing process with Patrick, where it was like, great, I don't have to know how to do this. I can just do it, write myself into a corner, call Pat and be like, okay, now what? <laughs> and then, you know, we'd come up with these scenes that were on the other side of glass or inside a hazmat mm -hmm. suit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Ben's like, what's this going to sound like? I was like, I don't know. Jeff will figure <laughs> it out. And we knew that we had a wizard on the other side, which made it you expanded our sense of what was possible because we knew that we could just throw you stuff that's like well i don't think anyone's ever done this before mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. good luck <laughs> and we kind of make each other stronger you know when you have that level of confidence in what each other are doing and adding to the project uh in every step of the process you really it kind of empowers you to like really take those big swings and push forward more and more creatively and 100%. i think as the series progresses yeah. that becomes very very clear Oh, yeah. yeah, and I want to, if I can add one thing too, no, I think that the, you know, again, I, I mentioned that the point of view is really important for listeners and the characters are incredibly important because that's who you get attached to. But that sense of place, what Jeff did is he made that a character. Mm -hmm. He made that, that the whole idea of this, not just the earthquake, but being on this remote island, that, that brings it to life in a way that um, only a really great sound engineer can do. And it's just fantastic. Yeah. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second-grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of perspective and that that strong perspective that Sarah brought to the project, a, a huge part of it is kind of creating this world that's populated by incredibly strong, powerful women who are kind of building a world for themselves. Um, can you speak a little bit to that, Sarah, about why that was important to you to kind of tell that story and use this world to tell that story? Well, you know, I mean, when Pat brought this idea about Manifest Destiny and New Land, the first thing that I thought of is Hawaii, where I grew up. And um, there were a lot of people who followed their manifest destiny to Hawaii into new land. And it resulted in 
colonialism and the overthrow of a sovereign monarchy. And, you know, I think these, there was, it seemed to me that there was an opportunity so many times stories about new land and manifest destiny in the West are stories of colonialism and stories that kind of erase any experience that isn't, you know, the Lone Ranger or like some pioneer guy and those stories we've told and told and told and told. And um, and I think in a way they do a kind of violence by erasing mm. the fact that women existed at that time too. And, and also that most of the time that land was fully populated by highly evolved and artistic creative civilizations of indigenous people who were there. And so it seemed like a really interesting opportunity, first of all, to start with the idea of legitimately new land that no one's ever set foot on before. Um, And then kind of use that story to explore, to populate it maybe with people that we don't often see in stories of, Mm. of exploration, whether that's, you know, women or, you know, indigenous women or black women. And I wanted to, I was trying to find the most complicated female relationship that I could to try and explore. And I think in some ways that was what sort of led to Cassie and Michaela, which is, you know, you have this young woman who has every reason in the world to hate the only adult in the world who has showed up to protect her. Right. And on Cassie's part, you've got somebody who has so much to atone for, um, whose motivations are so complicated, who tells a giant lie just to get there, and then has to somehow try and make something right with this young woman. Well, and Tati, I think you do such a great job of embodying that complexity of your character and that kind of ambivalence where you maybe have lost some level of trust or, or there's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very complicated character and you really do such a good job in a very nuanced way of projecting that just with your voice. Um, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this idea of these complex women uh, who are, you know, kind of making this world for themselves on this new land and kind of Sarah's whole notion of manifest destiny and how that maybe was attractive to you and how you played that. Well, yeah. I mean, like I, I really, I agree. And I really love the way that Sarah didn't shy away from anything in terms of, of the conversations that are had on the Island in that involve like women that involve race that like, um, I appreciated that it was a, a, a more real reflection of the world that, that we're in and like the things that we need to start paying more attention to, um, with Cassie and Michaela, like, I, I love the idea for Michaela that that you have in, in extreme circumstances you're forced to grow up you're 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 forced to 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 take a look at the facts to sort of let go of and as a 16 year old too like to to let go of of the angst and, and to let go of the what you want the world to be or what you want reality to be um, and and start to to yeah to to understand that things are not always as they seem and like that there are very legitimate reasons that people do things that to someone else can look bad or can look wrong 
Um, but that it, it, it that it, it comes comes from a place of humanness or humanity, and from a place in 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 Cassie and Lawrence's case, from love. Um, so yeah, I was just really drawn by the the rawness and the realness of the story. That like though it is this crazy thing that's happening. That you know, there's this earthquake. This island has rose. There. These are very real people and in, in a catastrophic situation that have that still have to deal with those real people parts despite needing to survive. That there's conversations that need to be had, there's mending that needs to be done. And yeah, I I I appreciated the balance of that. And Sarah, I think you did an amazing job of 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 making the of making that real. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I agreed. I, I think too, it, it's something we can all really understand in a very, very real way now, uh, mm. existing and you know moving through you know this kind of post-pandemic world or well, not post we're still in the midst <laughs> of it um but it is something that's kind of tested all of our you know resolve and like what does it mean to be a family or like you know what does it mean to be alive in many mm -hmm. ways there's so much stress and anxiety that's wrapped up in something that you know admittedly isn't quite the same as a catastrophic uh, apocalyptic event like a you know a decimating um earthquake uh, but you know we lost a lot of people many of us lost mm -hmm. family members there was so much paranoia and uncertainty around the pandemic and obviously this is something that hit right as 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 your team was going into production on the show um and it really is sort of there's themes in the show that are very similar to i think what many of us have experienced through this pandemic um sort of in a two prong approach here um how did that feel to almost have this sort of sh prescient show uh that you've written and then as you're going into production experience sort of partially or at least a version of what actually happens in the show uh, i'll put i'll throw that to, to to sarah um and patrick if i could yeah pat what did you think uh it was very strange we were we were pretty much done writing when things really started to take off with the pandemic, and um, I think Ben and Sarah and I were all texting each other, just going, "This is really strange," um, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure it's great. I mean, just creatively, it's the type of thing where you look at it and go, "Oh, well, this is." I wonder if people are going to want to listen to something that has some some level of similarity. There's something uh, in the same space because they're living it. You know what I mean? We thought, well, that's not necessarily perfect, but I think it's such a, this show is so nuanced and there's so much going on with this show. That's the, the, what's happening in that regard with Aftershock is really not the show. It's a, it's a, it's a plot driving device. Um, and there's so everything that Toddy just said is so much what the show is really about. Um, and I think, again, I just want to step back a little bit here before Sarah answers and just say what's, I keep going back to this thing about point of view, but I think if I had written this show and Sarah had not come into the picture, it would be uh, probably not a great show. <laughs> it would be a very typical, because I am I would probably have taken it more, you know, like the things we've seen before. I'd be like, oh, this guy shows up because that's who shows up and and he settles the island and and I wouldn't have known how to find those other points of view. So I think this is a good example of, of how it really takes multiple people 
from every different walk of life to make these things come alive in a really in a really uh, important way and in a in a modern way that makes sense. So, I remember having some um, some heated conversations about Lay's entrance, <laughs> and I remember I think it was Ben. And he was like, "So let me get this straight. She shows up, she saves Michaela, she plants a flag on the island, and she claims it for her people." I said, "Yeah." He said, "I think that's ridiculous." I was like, "I couldn't agree more." <laughs> but it's also the entire story of North America. He was like, oh, my God. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. Um, uh, wait, we were talking about something else, though. What was the? Well, no, that, that, I, th- I think that's a great place to start. But, I mean, yeah. just how it, it affected you, you know, to kind of, like, be in production or, or having having finished written the show, that then sort of the world almost starts to mirror kind of a version of of what's happening in your show in terms of, like, this you know, this pandemic type event. And then now we're yeah. in the midst of it ourselves. I, ben, I don't know if you remember this, but the, we were, okay, so our, we had two days recording in LA and we were at Bandwagon and it was March 8th. And I left the US March 10th and I haven't been back since. So it was basically the last thing I did in the States. And one of our actors who'd come in, we were going through these scenes about, illness and transmission and he turns to me and he goes hey would you write a podcast about me winning the lottery (laughs) he was like apparently you're Nostradamus can you write something about we all get rich and we retire and we never have to work again and I was like yeah man that sounds like a great idea um it was it was nerve-wracking I mean I do remember texting with Ben and and Patrick going should we pull this should we not air it should we go back and rewrite it because all the scripts were done by December of 2019 I mean, I think you made the right choice. I think clearly it resonated with yeah. so many people. And for me, it was almost yeah. a comfort, you know, I mean, because hmm. you're, you are getting to see people reacting under the most adverse circumstances. And it's obviously something we've all learned how to do. I think you, you, it was in many ways, I think, a great comfort to listen to the show during the pandemic. Mm. That's good to hear. I want to bring the audience back to that time a year and a half ago. I know it's really hard to do to position yourself to that place before the pandemic. But when we started developing Aftershock, a pandemic was science fiction. And when we recorded the pilot, it was science fiction. We recorded episode two. It was there. It was in China. It was on cruise ships. It was starting to migrate itself around the world. Maybe it might have been here, but it was still an existential threat. We still could not understand what that meant for a pandemic. The concept was so foreign to us. And when we started recording episode three, that was the Tuesday before the quarantine started. And we had everyone in the studio. We had all the extras. We had uh, Janelle started started hers. We were recording Tova in New York. And everyone was worried, but we still didn't know what it meant. And we went home that, la- that night um, and... I remember that night or the next morning, I got a phone call from from our engineer and he was like, "Um, I'm really sick. It just hit me. And I don't know what it is, but it could be this COVID thing. And I freaked out. I was like, oh, my God, I have to tell everybody. I may have exposed, we may have exposed everyone to COVID unwittingly and called everyone. No one got sick, thankfully. Um... Our engineer recovered, but that Friday, that was it. That was the last time I saw anybody. That was it. From there, we recorded the rest out of people's living rooms and everything changed. And we realized in that moment, oh my God, (laughs) we're creating something without any intention that is 
incredibly, incredibly relevant, more relevant than we could ever possibly predict. Once in a hundred years kind of relevant. Yeah, I mean, I went from that recording session to meet a couple of my friends um, on South Far- South Fairfax, and we were eating Ethiopian food, which is arguably, you know, like you share plates and you eat with your fingers, and so mm-hmm. it's not super COVID-friendly, although it is, in my opinion, the best cuisine in the world. <laughs> Fantastic. And I was sitting with my buddy Jay, and he got a text from his sister, whose daughter was in Europe, and they had just announced that they were closing the airports. Um, and they were going to close the border, and everybody had like 48 hours to get out. And it was this weird moment where we were sitting in a packed restaurant. Everything was fine. There were like 10 cases in L.A. And we went, oh, my God. And I thought, I got to get out of L.A. before they close the borders. And so I was supposed to stay in L.A. for another week for work. I called the studio, and I was like, you got to get me on the next plane out of here. And they said, they're like, you're overreacting. You're flipping out. And I was like, maybe, and it might be that I just spent all day in a recording studio recording something about a pandemic, but I got to get out of here. My plane landed in Vancouver, and the flight attendant came over um, the, the intercom, and she said, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted you to know um, Justin Trudeau has just closed the border. Wow. In 24 hours, there'll be no movement across the U.S.-Canada border. And I kind of got this chill. I was like, oh, I, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. There, there was <laughs> no. this big shift in, you know, nobody knew how to Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knew what a, what, what a Zoom was. It just became no. like, you know, part of the vernacular like overnight. But what you just described, I, I'm sorry, I have to credit you, obviously an incredible writer. You just described the cinematic moment of, of the, the, you know, um, apocalypse movie where everyone gets the text at the same time. And then you, you just kind of scan around to different people living their lives. And that's when you realize this is like serious business. And there's always that moment. Um, and, and when it happens in, in Aftershock, you do such a good job of kind of like slowly building it uh, with this uh, romantic scene between your character and and her partner um, when they're just having this lovely intimate moment and then you start to hear kind of news reports and things like that and then, you know, the house collapses and you just are in it. Like just you are all of a sudden in the thick of this, you know, inciting event. Um, I'm sorry, I just had to give you props for just the way you told that story because I'm literally picturing everything you're saying and it is something oh, that we're all familiar with and we lived through it and you do such Thank a beautiful you. job of building that world in the show and um, I just that, say Sarah yes, please. sorry no just really quick that scene that opening scene with, with you and Lawrence like I cried like a baby when he died <laughs> No, like, I don't know if it was like Michaela coming, like when I first listened to it, like I don't like I literally hearing him die. And like I was sitting in my room, like just bawling, crying like I was like, oh, Aww. my dad, like because I'd never like, yeah, like, I mean, as Michaela, of course, and when recording like my bits, I'd never, you know, heard his voice even or never like got to see or hear what that was or what happened. And well, Rockman's also such an extraordinary actor. You know, I mean, he, like, that scene can go wrong in any number of ways, particularly if you're trying to compensate for the fact that nobody can see your face. And I just, his work, uh, his work in it was really, really lovely. Um, Mm -hmm. So big props to Rock. Um, Well, let's just stick on the pandemic for just a little bit. Um, Ben, I know you were 
kind of the a huge force in pivoting from those two early sessions to okay game changer what do we do now how do we continue do we continue um and and you did and you figured out how to do that and i just love to hear from you ben like kind of what that looked like logistically like how did you you know adapt so quickly to this you know covid world like uh in production something obviously you had to kind of figure out on the fly right yeah so um our co-producer mark ramsey who couldn't be here today um but we were and he's really an audio guy i'm not and i'm just and we're just like oh what the fuck do we do now (laughs) like like, it's like we got to get this quality recording (laughs) um we are we have this incredible cast we have this incredible team we have all you know we're all lined up and and we have that where we want to create this really premium show but we have that it has to sound like it right it can't be sound like it's made in the middle of somebody's you know living room or whatever so well that's what happened so um but we're just like how do we do that (laughs) knowing that we can't go into any studios right we can't do that that's out of option no one wants to be can be near each other everything's shut down how do we do this out of people's house but yet figure this one out and it took us about a month to experiment with different ways because we needed we knew that we needed several things we knew that we needed to as on the producing side of things we needed to control um, the recording um, and control the process of that. We know that we needed to be able to give equipment to people so they, they can do it in their own house if they didn't have it, but that we could manage it, right? Manage the recording. Um, also have a space, be able to create a space that that had dampened, you know, that was dampened, right? So we didn't have the reflection issue, which may be happening in my mic right now. Um, and that we could have a uh, relatively like a mobile, you know, unit that also had to be cost effective. So like, and we have to record all these different, um, um, actors and we, Oh, the other thing is because it's, we're not a new show. We're not a, an NPR show. There's an interactivity that has to happen. So how do we get that where every, where the actors can perform together and get that kinesthetic uh, response from each other. So, um, that took us about a month to figure out the logistics of that. And then we, we located, we're like, okay, we're going to be getting a USB mic. We found that kit that we could do. We bought a bunch of them. Um, and then we ended up, um, experimenting with different websites. And what we landed on was this, you know, this, which is, we're recording this on Riverside, but, um, we recorded that one on Squadcast. We pretty much recorded the entire show in Squadcast, um, where we could have video, we could see each other. And then we could, um, uh, so the actors could perform together and we could we control it like right here. Like we, um, there was different versions of other websites that we use, but that we tried it out with, but with Squadcast and what Riverside allows you to do is record remotely or, um, re- uh, have someone record the process like we're doing now, but it records locally on your machine, but it uploads to a central, um, to a central, to the cloud essentially so that no one your talent did not have to worry about operating the machines themselves, right? They didn't have to, you don't have to worry about someone making a mistake. We controlled everything, the environment. Sure. Um, and that's how we did it. So we had, we created this package, this mic kit. We sent it literally a whole bunch of them all around the country, all around the world. Um, and, um, and they had all these, do all these different stops, you know, as we traveled and we, that's how we basically did it. And we dropped, if it was in LA, we dropped it off. Taddy had her own equipment. Um, others didn't and we made it work. And some of it's, some of it's still in New York. Some of it's in the UK. 
<laughs> it's all. It's, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Canada, Dean yeah, Morgan, if you're listening to this, send the mic back. <laughs> yeah, Jeffrey still has his uh, in his farmhouse in New York. <laughs> it, it, it's so interesting to hear that because you would never in a million years know. Uh, it may be a credit to, to Jeff and the editing, but I mean, it really sounds like everyone's in the same room. And even, you know, before we started this conversation, before we hit record, um, Ben, you had mentioned that many of these folks had never met before. Um, a lot of parts yeah. were recorded separately. I've and still never met Tati. Together. Well, this is well, still as enough, great as we've <laughs> ever been. Right. <laughs> It was awful. What were the sessions like? Was it people doing? But Taddy was in her closet. Yeah. <laughs> I was in my closet most of the time. And in Germany. <laughs> yeah, I started out in Germany in a studio. I think we did the first, like, three through, like, seven, I think, in the studio. Yep. And then finished out in my closet. Because yeah. it was, like, four in the morning in L.A. And I remember <laughs> it was like, okay, yep. so I, like— Got in my car in the dark. I was reading all this stuff. But wait, I, before we move on, I have a question for Jeff because I've never asked you this before. Of those files that you got from Dave's cottage in the Cotswolds and, you know, the back of the car from Rockman and, and you know, Jeff, uh, who still has our mic. <laughs> what? How so many Harper. of them? So I mean, how many of them did you just sort of facepalm and go, okay, so I'll play some waves over this or I'll have the rustling of papers? Like, I imagine you hid a multitude of sins for us. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think, Noel, you've probably experienced this and Mike and the audio production world. When the pandemic hit, this became a new skill set for all of us. We all had to really bone up on how to clean up bad audio. And it just, it was happening across everything I was working on. It wasn't just Aftershock. It, it was more heartbreaking for me in Aftershock because you had these incredible performances that were caked in kind of like, oh, I just wish this was in a studio, right? Mm. Like we had a character who was literally next to a fan, you know, because it was so hot, you know, I won't mention right. any names, but like that was, that was like, okay, that's what I'm doing on Saturday. I'm removing fan noise <laughs> from all the recordings, right? <laughs> So it's like, it was, it's, and it's the least sexy part of the work, right? Because right. no one will ever thank you for it because no one notices what the original was like. But yeah, it was. Jeff, it I was thank a, you for it. I, I yeah. Let's thank you right now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's totally unsexy. There's no awards for that. There's no red carpets. There's nothing, right? There's no, nobody, but, but it needs to get done. And, and, uh, yeah. So, um, a lot of it, a lot of it was that oh, way. Wow. And, and, um, it's a challenge for sure. But, you know, it's um, well, th thankfully, I mean, audio production tools have come a long way, and there are filters and things where you can kind of take a yeah. noise print and, and you know, I, strip I that own stuff them out. all now. That's of the course. thing. <laughs> yep, same. same. <laughs> I mean, you know, as an executive producer at iHeart, we had to pivot, you know, 250 plus shows that were going into studios across the country to home recording. So I feel mm. all of your pain. I was very yeah. much yeah. involved in that. And we're, honestly, we're all still doing it. And we've gotten better at it over time. You know, folks that do like regular shows every week. And then um, to your point, certain like one-off shows, we definitely still have to do some hand-holding and making sure, you know, people are you know, following certain guidelines, like not recording next to fans would be a good start. But <laughs> I, I'm just so impressed. Like, again, as an audio guy, 
I, I never noticed any of those things. I never was like thinking, oh, they're clearly not in the same space. And even that, like if someone's recording in a room that's very live sounding and then someone's recording maybe in a closet, the mm. quality of those rooms sound differently. So you have to almost match the ambience of those spaces. And that's another non-sexy part, but you clearly did a lot of that. And then to Sarah's point, you have to tie them all together and bridge them mm -hmm. together with like ambient sound to make it feel like you're occupying a real space. Um, well, how did you approach doing stuff like that? Like the kind of more, I guess you could call it cosmetic stuff, but it also really is part of the whole vibe of the show. Yeah. I mean, so that's what you start with. You always start with what you have, not what you, with what you want. You know, I want every, thankfully Sarah, I think you recorded most of your work right where you are right now uh, in mm -hmm. studio. So we had really great, audio from Sarah for the entire mm -hmm. series. And we had like half the series from David that was great because we did that in mm -hmm. studio and some other characters too, like half a more than half of Tati's stuff was sounded great. And then everything else. So it, well, I had a baseline <laughs> like, okay, we've got this really good audio and now the rest is kind of has to fits in. And in, in like more documentary or narrative thing, I might've dirtied up the good sounding stuff to try to like bring them a little closer together, mm -hmm. right? You do that mm -hmm. trick, but that, that wasn't like something I was even willing to consider here. It was really just about making sure that other audio could live in the same space. And that just came into correcting it to a point. And as you know, Noel, you can correct something past improvement and it starts to develop new, new problems. And I've kind of wanted to avoid that. Um, and then I think it really helped. It's, it's bailed me out. It wasn't intentional that we did have such a, a kind of vivid and alive sound sound world, a sonic palette for the show, that it really did help with that. Um, and I think, you know, when you're on the island, for example, and this is something I researched early on, I was like, what if an island rose up? Like, what would be there? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that's not really exciting. What would be there? It's like, well, waves and wind, right? And then, and this, yeah. you know, speaking to Sarah's vision, she's like, she had like, well, there's this part of the island and this is up higher. And then we have this part of the island and it's in a beach. And this part of the island, you can hear the waves, but not, it's a little bit more windy, but the wind is different. I and mean, you just figure it out, right? So she had, we had all these little places and it's like all of that, that noise was really helpful, right? It was, you could be artistic with it, could be really expressive. It could cover a lot of ground sonically because there's no, there's no crickets. The only animals are like gulls would be there, but nothing else, right? Um, so there was, it was literally just caked in white noise. So that helped a lot uh, on the <laughs> island for sure. Um, and I didn't even know Rockman recorded in a trunk of his car. Like, so trunk that's, of his car. You, yeah, I had no I'm idea sorry? what happened. Wait, you're bearing the lead there, Lou. How does one record in the trunk of one's <laughs> car? Yeah, Sarah will have to explain that. Is this like a hatchback situation? Are we talking about like a station wagon? I'm, I'm very no, interested here. I really wish we had him here. So Rockman has, um, I want to say, four kids under, probably under eight at this point. And they were all homeschooling during the pandemic. His wife is a really accomplished writer and she had to work. So I called him and I was like, I need you for a couple hours. And he was like, Sarah, there is no quiet anywhere in my life and I was like okay but I need you for a couple hours and so he he's like well I'll go to my car and then we were listening to it and he was getting bounce from all the windows on four sides yeah yeah and he tried turning around he tried to, the whole thing and he goes hold on and we hear this like muffle muffle thump 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 crash and we're like where are yeah. you he's like I'm in my trunk and it was like I mean it was like maybe uh no july or august so it's la oh he's God. baking in there and we were done and he's like okay i gotta go and text my wife to have her pop the trunk and i was like <laughs> i am this so sorry and so grateful um wow talk yeah. about commitment and it's not just la by the way it's, he, it's, incredible. it's in moore park it's in moore park it's like 
valley. You know, it's like, you know, valley, valley. valley. Yeah. It's like a valley yeah. within a valley. It's a different <laughs> he was kind baking. of heat. <laughs> it's hot. He was baking. But then, I'm like, envisioning, I remember, I'm envisioning like a like a 1970s Cadillac with one of those gigantic <laughs> trunks that you could put lots of bodies in mm-hmm. from like a Scorsese movie. It has to be a it had to be a big car. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't ask so. him what he drives. He's got four kids, so it's got to be able to fit six people. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I mean, for all I know, it's like his dad car, and it was like an Alfa Romeo Spider. We should ask him. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, but that I mean, incredible. even. Like, I remember we, everybody went through so much. Russell Hornsby was in New York, and he took a train, peak pandemic, over to Brooklyn because it was a friend's house. Again, he had kids in the house, and there was no peace and quiet. Got there, discovered he had the wrong computer. It didn't run the software that we needed. Went back to Manhattan. He had an old computer, yeah. Is that what it was? There was some technical difficulty, but he just, like, went back and forth. It was amazing. It was amazing. People really worked so much harder than they expected to. And I think it's possible that the trade-off was, and Russell and I talked about this afterwards a little bit, none of us were working. You know, this was all peak lockdown. There were nothing was shooting, not anywhere in North America and maybe not anywhere in the world. And we were all scared. You know, I was waking up every morning and seeing how many people had died in New York the day before. I had a friend who a medical supply guy who called me one day sobbing. He's like, Sarah, we're out of body bags. We don't have any more. And there was that ambient um, terror. Mm -hmm. And then we'd get together and just be actors for a couple hours. And we'd just say words and play pretend. And for me, it returned me to a sense of who I am. Um, Instead of sort of floating in this void of a pandemic lockdown, Mm -hmm. I was like, no, that's right. I'm a, I'm a writer and I'm an actor and I'm a director. And I know how to do those jobs, even if I don't know how to do anything else right now right. in the world. No, and I, that I, was I, I, nice. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think like I said earlier, it was kind of made us all kind of rethink like who, who we are and, and what that means and what it means to be human. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. 
I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes, packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tati, I'm interested in, in how this kind of washed over you, you know, when you were in the midst of this lockdown and had this opportunity to work with what clearly is just an amazing group of people who are very dedicated. And it seems like something that everyone maybe needed. Did you need it? And, and was it sort of a therapeutic thing for you as well? No, absolutely. Like, and yeah, I mean, every, everybody wanted a sense of, of connection, I think, too, more than anything, like being locked away in the house and 
yeah, to be able to do, to have even over Zoom, like to have these sessions with this wonderful group of people, it was, yeah, it was very much so a relief and very much so a, a an outlet and escape. Like I also found a lot of comfort in the story itself um, and this narrative of, of, of how, yeah, like, you know, not knowing where the pandemic was going to go and, but having a, almost a blueprint for what people could do once we were seeing our way out of it, um, and building this sense of community and building this, um, yeah, this new way of, of living that though we were all alone in our houses at the moment, like we weren't, we weren't by ourselves. We weren't alone. Mm. Um, yeah. Like, and I, I don't know, like I, I loved the, the, the gorilla style, like recording of it. Like it, it, yeah, it made something fun and kooky to, to sort of take the mind off of what was happening outside. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing this through the pandemic. Um, and I think it saved me a lot. Um, cause I was alone, um, by myself, like through, um, the first like three, Oof. four months. So yeah, like it was, it was, yeah, very good for me to have this during that time. Um, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad y'all had that uh, for each other. Um, but also that you were able to kind of give that gift to millions of people who have enjoyed the show. And I think it's really resonated with, like I said, it really does feel like a comfort to listen to and not a reminder uh, of, of negative things, more of a reminder of what we're capable of as people, yeah, you know, and how we exactly. can kind of push through even in the scariest circumstances and kind of band together and all of that. So mm-hmm. um, congratulations to you all. I and mean, I think it's just such a beautiful show and it's been an absolute honor to be involved with it. Uh, what's, what's in store for season two? Sirkoff and I am now leaving the room. No, um, uh, Pat, I, figured, I mean, we have ideas. We've got no, we do. We have lots of ideas. There are a couple of things that we laid in intentionally that were kind of on the smaller side. Um, you know, I I didn't even name Russell's character this year. He was just the CO, and in my head, there's always been a really cool evolution for him uh, in the second season where we get to know him a little better. Um, I think getting a slightly better sense of who Mark Dover is, uh, is important. Um, But there are also some new characters that I'm really excited about and people that represent, you know, different, different perspectives of uh, what you do on new land. Um, And, uh, you know, there's two women in particular that I'm, you know, not going to tell you much about them, but I want them to show up and kind of blow things up and sure. um, and make uh, make things more complicated, but also more nuanced and more layered and add complexity to the existing relationships between Michaela and Lay and Cassie. Yeah. Um, and we had, and, no, we did have a list of, there, there are a lot of other characters that are part of this world that have not, mm-hmm. have not appeared yet that are already well-defined and developed and they have things they're going to be doing. I've been doing a lot of, uh, I've been watching the show alone. Has anyone watched Alone? I haven't uh, seen should that. Pro- you, should watch, no. you should watch Alone so that, you know, they basically put some, put 10 people on an island totally alone with cameras and they see how long they can last. 
And um, wow. and they're all fine. It sounds it sounds like a terrible Aftershock, show. The documentary. Yeah. It sounds like a terrible show, but they they are they can't have any other human interaction. And it's how long can you go? And they go a lot longer than you would think. And they they struggle with things that you wouldn't expect. But we have like I know there's a character I'm excited about exploring. Who's you know the the again the the type of character that you might who would see this phenomenon and be like. I'm going there because I'm a survivalist and this is all about what I'm into and I'm going to go live on this brand new piece of land uh, to see if I can do it. And um, so those types of characters haven't really been explored. So yeah, we've, we've definitely got lots of interesting characters to explore and story to explore. So I think for, for Jeff's sake, we should put it on a volcano or something. <laughs> or put, put it somewhere. It'll be underwater. Pick, an pick entire the hardest underwater. audio thing we can come up with and we'll all record from uh, the trunks of our cars. That's 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 what we're going to do. <laughs> I will say, um, we literally blew it out of the water. Um, so we're going to have to, there'll have to be consequences to that, uh, despite the fact that Dover was promised there wouldn't be. So I think we have to start with that for everybody. Um, Mm. And, you know, and I mean, one of the things that I plan to do as we start breaking this season, you know, once we've had a chance to put our heads together and maybe even before, one of the things that um, the best showrunners that I've ever worked with have done is they go to the returning cast uh, after the end of a first season and they go, okay, what do you think? Where do you see? Because mm. one of the things that happens, I think, is you create a character and then the actors get to know the character at least as well, if not better, than the writers. And so I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting to sit down with whoever's left alive at the end of season one, which quite frankly, I think is like six people. Um, <laughs> our body count's pretty high. <laughs> but to sit down with those actors and just go, hey, well, you know, I, I can't promise we're going to use your ideas, but what do you think? And and where do you see this going? And and do you have any hopes and dreams or nightmares and fears um, for your character? And kind of engage engage the uh, intellectual pool of your talent and and see what they see what's in their heads because maybe it's brilliant and maybe we wouldn't have thought of it. Excellent. Well, um, just to wrap it up, Sarah, what's next on the agenda aside from writing a whole another uh, season of, of this amazing show? What, what do you have to look forward to on the horizon now that things have sort of started getting back to normal with production and all of that? Uh, I've been directing. Um, I'm directing four or five episodes of TV this season, and uh, I just closed a couple of other writing deals, um, one with Ben, actually, to develop uh, an animated project. Um, that's all sort of magical realism madness and another one um, that I probably can't talk about yet, but you'll hear about <laughs> going on. So, you know, I want to continue on this path of the the directing and the writing and the producing. I think it's um, it's beautiful to be able to participate in a story at the point at which we're deciding how to tell it and what stories to tell. Awesome. Tati, how about you? Um, I'm currently working on a series um, that I can't really announce yet. Um, and I've got, um, I'm, I'll be on season three of you on Netflix, um, this season that comes out in, um, October 15th. Um, and I will have Uncharted coming, um, I believe in February. Um, I'm also getting into, um, producing myself and, um, I'm co-producing on a project right now, as well as, um, starting on a project of my own. Um, so 
Yeah, yeah. I'm yes. really excited. I love awesome. That's amazing. That's awesome. Good to, good to be good to be busy again. <laughs> so mm. exciting. Patrick, anything exciting coming up for you? Uh, nothing I can talk. I, I feel like I should follow the the pattern. It's all very hush hush. I have nothing hush hush I'm working on. That doesn't happen in my world. Um, no. Uh, so yeah, a couple books going to be coming out next year that are for the younger folks. And then I have a, a, a company that was started during the pandemic called Go Kid Go, where we're making tons and tons of content, uh, narrative content for kids and having a really fun time with that. And, you know, this is true for adults as well, but I would just want to mention that if there are parents out there who are struggling with their kids spending too much time on screens, mm. which is pretty much every parent at this point, oh, yeah. uh, the numbers are catastrophic and really, really uh, tough on kids learning that that listening to audio is the easiest thing you could possibly put in mm. front of them. Mm. A lot easier than the, uh, you know, talking them into reading a book and any kid can do it and it activates their imaginations. Yeah. And uh, and we just are having a great time making that kind of content for kids because they really need we, it. We so. That and sounds I think it's awesome. A space that, we, we don't have enough stuff out there that's for kids. So I'm really excited to, yeah. I've got a 12 year old who's dealing with all go that stuff. Go kid, as go. We speak. So yeah, for yeah. sure. Jeff, uh, any exciting audio uh, challenges on the horizon for you? Uh, yeah, I think the major one, I mean, there's, there's, there's shows and, uh, I think another season of another drama I worked on, uh, will be coming up at the beginning of the year, but the major thing, just when we're talking about immersive, immersive sound or whatever, um, I'm doing an upgrade here in the studio over the next couple of months of actually being able to mix in Dolby Atmos in this room. And so they've been pushing really hard into the, in, into every space Dolby has, not just theaters, but they're basically taking their theatrical tool set and making it so you can make music with it. You can work on podcasts and audio stories, and I'm pretty sure you guys at iHeart have been employing at least at some level uh, working with them. So that's oh, yeah. I'm going to bring that in house, and and hopefully that will uh, that will be able to help us push sound even even further uh, for this kind of medium too. So cool! No, that nice. is incredible, yeah. incredible technology, and it's neat that it's starting to make its way into more consumer-facing studios, more available to you know regular folks instead of only like the super, super high-end stuff. Um, and Ben, how about yourself? Um, it's been a, again, it's been a pleasure working with you on this, and um, I'm very excited to to see what happens in season two. But any other fun projects uh, in your world? Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I th I'm in the same situation where I can't talk about anything because haven't, they haven't been announced yet. So, <laughs> but there's a lot in the in the uh, film and TV space um, that's going on. But I just, yeah, I can't talk um, about them. But I got a big. Um, I'm very excited about a big a, a big movie um, I'm doing um, at, at one of the studios that we're, uh, but we can't announce it yet. So. And, and it's a good, great TV show and something I'm doing with Patrick, uh, we, we got, so. Well, everyone, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Um, and, uh, I so incredibly honored to have been a part, even a small part of this show. And Ben, I think you had some closing words, uh, to offer here for, for our bonus episode of Aftershock. No, I just want to say, um, how incredibly lucky we are to not only have created this, but to do it with a level of talent on people who've agreed to do it with Taddy and with Jeff and with uh, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan and David Harbour and Sarah agreed when, when we came to her with this and she's like, I want to do this. And, um, and then with workhouse who came on as our reps and with iHeart, um, with Russell and Rockman, um, with, uh, Janelle, 
um, uh, uh, I mean, just, it, it just uh, and Michael O'Neill and, and, and Austin Emilio um, and, and Tova Felcha and Joy, you know, Bethany Joy Lenz. I mean, like how many people, and not only that, but everyone came to play. Everyone said, I'll do it. You know, no one was, uh, you know, no one was, was, was buying a new house on this thing. And so, but everyone did it and they did it because they wanted to, and they put their all, and they've gone so like, like Tad, mm-hmm. you've gone so far uh, above and beyond anything. And just thank you. And everyone mm-hmm. has, and we're just so incredibly lucky. And how many times I've leaned on you, um, like everybody together. Um, and Patrick just, you know, trusting us with this idea, like just, you know, in, 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 in helping create and just all of it. Um, we're just so incredibly lucky to have everybody who came and joined in. And um, I just want to thank everybody um, for, for the opportunity to create this. It's a good group. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's no, an incredible group. Guys, we are so yeah, it lucky. It's an incredible thing to, have to be such a part an of. A, a, you yeah. know, A-level team on every single lover. By the way, Tati, one of my favorite moments with you is we were wrapping up a session and you were like on the floor of your closet you're like, okay, guys, I got to go. And you're like putting on a backpack. And I was like, oh, where are you going? You're like, I'm going to a protest. I'll let you know if I get arrested. And I, was like, I was like, thank you for making time for a podcast before you went to March for Social Change to change the world. I was like, that right there is an extraordinary amount of devotion. And in my head, I was like, if she gets arrested, I'm bailing her out. <laughs> yeah, I mean to know that. Thank no, it you. It sounds like you guys have become lifelong friends and not just colleagues, and I think that's really reflected in the in the show that you made. As so. soon as we meet, yeah. well, I, I, you know what? We'll I've made a lot of friends just playing <laughs> online been over video a year games now. and Zoom chats and stuff over the pandemic. That's true. Kind of weird. It's kind of yeah. weird. Friendship uh, can extend yeah. in a lot of different directions, but yeah. um, you guys just have such a lovely way about you, and you're all wonderful people. And it's been a pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks for having me. And I can't wait for Uncharted. I love. I, I'm an Uncharted guy, so I'm super, super psyched for Uncharted. Thanks. I'm excited for it too. Yeah. I'm nervous, but very excited. <laughs> like I started uh, it's, playing it's, the game too once I did it. So yeah, it's great. It's a great game. Great yeah. Game. Yeah. And you're not a very nice person, right? I'm not. <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> the nicest people do the best job playing villains. That's what I found. Exactly. And uh, big thanks to you, Noel. Good job. Um, well, again, thanks to all of you. And uh, if I mean, I think most people that are listening to this have made it all the way through, but I highly recommend go back and listen again. So many little Easter eggs and things to, to, to find, you know, during a second listen. Uh, you will not be disappointed. And if for some reason you jumped right to the bonus episode, what's wrong with you? Go back. Start with episode one. That's what you should do. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.